Are you ready to live your best life, be stronger, and fall in love with yourself? It's possible and it's within you, but you need to unlock the power within. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody is now living the best life ever, but it took some stepping out of her comfort zone. She's going to show you how it can be done. Here is your host, Jody Harrison Bauer. Hello, everybody. Happy Thursday. It is sunny outside and beautiful, and welcome to Fearlessly Authentic. I am your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, and I'm so thankful that you are here. Thank you to everybody around the world who has been listening to our show. It's been wonderful. We know that we are doing what we set out to do, which is to educate, empower, and inspire. And today's guest is absolutely going to do that. Welcome to the show, Amy Ogden. Hi, Jody. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here today with you. It is my pleasure. I wanted to give everybody a little bit of a background on you so they know who I'm talking to. Uh, Amy is originally, I believe this, I don't know, I could be making this up. Are you originally from California? Seattle originally, but I moved um, to New York from San Diego. Okay, okay. Amy is a sales brand marketing and publicity expert with 20 years of experience. During the COVID-19 global pandemic, she launched three companies and created a national social media campaign. She has since created the Agency Collective and is changing the way brands find top agencies. She is a TEDx speaker, coach, and author. And I remember also you told me that you are a storyteller. And when I watched you on your TEDx talk, I I totally got the fact that you were a storyteller. I mean, I was so... Um, caught up in what you were saying. you I was hanging on every word. I wanted to know where it was going, and you are a great storyteller. So I, I feel very honored to have you on the show. And, um, you know, I, I my first question for you is tell me about your experience about leaving California and coming to New York. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and, you know, Living in New York had been a lifelong dream. I do this really morbid thing where I picture myself on my deathbed a lot, which I probably need. There's probably a therapist out there that's like, call me. Um, But, uh, you know, it's interesting when I would, you know, fast forward to my deathbed, I didn't think about, gosh, I'm so glad that I, you know, doubled that company's revenue or man, I'm so glad that I, you know, lost that three pounds and starved myself for two weeks to fit into a dress. I would think like, what's really going to matter? And one thing I couldn't get out of my head was living in New York. It was phenomenally specific. Um, And, you know, I've done this thing a lot of my life. And I think many of us do this where we think that some things they're for other people, but not for me. Right. Like, Oh, well she picks up and moves to Paris for six months, but not, that's not for me. Or, Oh, that's not my thing. Yeah. It's, it's not intended for me actually. So it's not even that I don't want to do it. It's like, Oh, I'm not one of those special people with the secret knock and the secret handshake that gets to do it. Mm -hmm. Starting a company, you know, moving to New York is kind of, it's, when I moved to New York, even the amount of people who said, ah, oh, I've always wanted to. And and there is this sense of like, ah, oh, I've always wanted to. And it's like, well, then why didn't you? Mm-hmm. And and most often it was, you know, it just seemed like it would basically mean starting over. 
And for me, it did. <laughs> I, I took I took the hard route to New York. Um, I was living a very glamorous life in San Diego with a beautiful townhome and a BMW and a golden doodle and a great job. Um, and the caveat is I kept the great job, which I think is very important to and note. The, and um, the golden doodle. And the golden doodle is still amazing. <laughs> um, but I, I had a calling in my heart after visiting New York many times for work that I needed to live here before I died. <laughs> and I kept going to that deathbed wish. And so um, I made the decision, but it was a hard decision. I was 38. Mm-hmm. I was at the peak of my career. I was single and looking for a husband. Still am, by the way, listeners. Um, so a couple years older. It's amazing how the clock goes backwards when you hit 40. Um, and I, I was not really in a position, you would think, to completely wipe my life out and start over, but that's what I did. So over the course of six months, I gave away or sold every single thing I owned. I mean, everything. And if if you've never been forced to look at every sock, every fork, every Q-tip in your house and decide, does it stay? Do I sell it? Do I give it away? Do I store it? I mean, it was, it was like a mind boggling amount of decisions. I gave, I just bought my car and then I made the decision. So there goes my car. Um, And I lived with a friend for about four months for free to save the money to make the move. That's how important this was to me. And um, and so I did it. I love that you had the courage to do it. And that's why I call the show Fearlessly Authentic. And that's why I have guests like you, because that took a lot of courage to do and to be 38 which isn't a youngster, but it's not an oldster, okay? You're not my age. You're not almost 60. So you still have your whole life ahead of you, as do I. I look at things very differently. And to, to nobody, unless they have done it, they don't understand the incredible amount of courage. And does that come from your gut instinct saying, this is the time to leave. I don't care that I'm at the height of my career, um, a significant other will come when the universe wants to give it to me and I'm ready. I truly believe in that. I truly believe that we, we, we get things when we're ready to accept them into our heart, our soul, our, our life. And did your friends and, and the people that supported you out in California, did they say you're crazy or did they know you and know, Hey, if Amy has this idea, she's going to go for it. They knew I was going to go for it. I think the, um, as a, I don't know what you'd call it, a mantra or a, a kind of an ethos that uh, really landed with me during this time was you can be at the top of your game and still change the game. A lot of people think that a life pivot happens when you're, you know, they say I was laying on the bath. I mean, how many times can someone tell you they were laying on the gosh darn bathroom floor? Like, First of all, you probably weren't like, that's a good, but like <laughs> everyone's got that laying on the bathroom floor moment. Well, my New York apartment bathroom is too small for me to lay on the floor. So <laughs> I can't even do that if I wanted to, but, um, I was at the top of my game and knew I could still change the game. And that was my pivotal moment. The biggest thing I had to give up, it was actually, I'm not going to say it was courage. It was ego. It's a lot of ego and driving a nice car and having a fancy dog in downtown San Diego and a big, beautiful, you know, granite kitchen. I mean, and the reason if someone listening is wondering, well, why did you have to give everything up? Please look at New York apartments. Like 
it's, I live in a studio in West Village. I did choose prime location because if you're going to do it, you do it. And um, square footage here is, is, it's actually hard to describe how small it is in New York. And so it wasn't that I didn't want to bring my things with me. I physically couldn't fit them into any, not, you know, couldn't do it. But so it, um, it, it was felt- ego more than courage that had that's to That's interesting. That's interesting and because ego does play a part in so many things that we do. So you you're just about my age when I changed my family dynamics. I got divorced at 42 and everybody thought I was crazy because they thought why would you give up this amazing life? Same thing like you. Fancy cars in the garage big McMansion, country club, the whole thing. Successful husband, beautiful and healthy children. I wasn't giving up my healthy children and my, you know, little dogs. And, but people don't understand that there's a drive from within. It wasn't necessarily my ego back then, but then it was, then it did become about my ego. And I had to put that aside. And so many times when I have made decisions, I've had to put that ego aside And I went from a 6,000 square foot house to 600. Eventually, I landed in 600. And talk about getting rid of everything and leaving things behind. It was very cathartic. Um, But there's just something inside of you that knows that this is the next step that needs to be done. And of course, my daughters were about 8 and 13 at the time. And... They didn't really question me. You know, obviously it it changed their lives in different ways. But now as they're adults, 27 and 31, they get it. It's hard to explain. But uh, it's it, it I can see where the ego does take place. And we just have to say, hey, ego, chill out right now. Right. Chill out. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I, sorry, I love a saying, by the way. And so just, um, it, but uh, someone said once um, where there's birth, there's blood and true birth, true change, I actually think requires pain in some way. It's, it's rarely just more, better, more, better, more, better. And for me, the blood was ego. And to this day, I'll be, I mean, look, I'm, I'm on this journey with everyone. I'm now 43 and my place is incredibly small and it looks like a, you know, glorified dorm room. And, and I pay for this, but you probably pay for a five bedroom home in Kansas city. And it just is what it is. It's New York. Um, it, the struggle continues in some areas, but the, the expansion in life in trade-off for the downsizing of square footage worth it every second of every day, I wouldn't give it up. I wouldn't take back that two story town home and that BMW for what well, I have I in New York. We talked about this before, which is what we don't have, we don't need. And it's amazing. And I think you talked about this in your TED talk was sufficiency is sexy. Sure and is. We don't really need much. You know, we, yeah. we don't need much to, to, feel fulfilled and be happy. And I don't know if it was a fulfillment thing. It was a happiness thing. So the driving force was that you wanted to live in New York city before you died. That was your dream. That was what you were going to do because you saw your regret. I was not going to have that deathbed regret. I refused. I refused. And I didn't put a time limit on it. It's interesting. People who moved to New York will tell you this because it's not just me. Several friends have proactively said it to me. 
when you move to New York, everyone says the same thing to you. How long are you going to stay? It's a weird thing. It's Wait, like I say that to my daughter now when he, <laughs> because she lives there. So five years. Yeah. When I moved to San Diego, no one asked me that. When I moved to Florida from Seattle, no one asked me that. Everyone who moves to New York, all their friends go, how long are you going to stay? It's because they kind of think you're going like on a, you know, it's like a cute, like, um, a, a thing you just got to try itch you got to scratch. Right. And it's like, or maybe it's just a life I have to live, you yes. know? And so for me, it was never an itch I had to scratch. So my answer was I have two, two requirements for living in New York. If it's fun and if I can afford it. And if either one of those ever doesn't happen, I'm out. If I can't afford it. I'm not going to do it. And if it's not fun, even if I can afford it, if it's not fun, I'm out. Oh. And five years later, it's still really fun, and I that's can a, still. That's a great attitude. So, what happened with your job? So, were you did you were you able to stay with the job, or did you leave your job? And and what are you what are you doing yeah. in New York now? Yeah, sure. So, um, I'll I'll spare the listeners the long story, but yeah, I kept my job, and that and that really is you know um, a blessing that I was able to. You were working for an an ad uh, publicity agency. Yeah. I was working for a PR agency and my role was um, a leadership role in sales where I could work from uh, the New York office. And in fact, it actually made a lot of sense for me to work from the New York office. It was a preferred location for me. So it was a great move. Um, My company is best of the best. So moved with the job. And so that was great and moved into my studio. But you know, it's, it was just a whole new adventure, like a, a one quick anecdote, because this will give you a good sense of what it's like here. So I moved here with this like really easy Southern California, you know, sunshine and ta- and fish tacos attitude. And I get an apartment and it's a complete dump. Like it probably should have been quarantined itself. Um, and I needed a couch. So I, I was just innocently like naive and I'm trying to save money because I just moved here. So I go to Craigslist and I find this West Elm couch. This girl had bought it and then immediately had to move. And so it was brand new and like half the price. I'm like, great. Right. Well, so then I go into Craigslist and I find movers. And I'm using air quotes here when I say that. So I call these guys and, and we line it up. So I get to this girl's Soho apartment on a hot Saturday morning. It was really hot out. I remember I give her the cash she has a strapping young boyfriend there, and I call the movers, mm-hmm. and I it, very innocently, again, I go, okay, I'm here. I'm ready, and they're like, we don't know who you are. We've booked another appointment. We're not coming, so now I'm standing in a stranger's apartment. I've just given her all my money, and a so, um, there's just a sofa, and I'm just a girl in a city I don't know with a sofa and no way to move it, so I get really creative. I call Uber XL. And I book an Excel and then I immediately call the driver and I lie and I go, I have a really small piece of patio furniture. If we put down your back seat, could we fit it in? He goes, babe, if it fits, it ships. Let's try it. I'm like, okay. (laughs) I still don't know how I'm going to get it up the four flights to my new apartment. But all I know is I'm getting it out of this girl's apartment and into a vehicle. Right. So we get it into the Uber Excel. Her boyfriend helps me get it down. We, we, by the hair of my 40-year-old hairy chin, it gets in. He slams the door. We're driving to my new apartment. I look at the driver and say, how much to help me get this up the stairs? He's right. like, 40 bucks. Great. Cool. We get to the stop. 
he puts my brand new couch on the dirty Manhattan street and they've taken the legs off. So, I mean, it's probably sitting on like dog poop and vomit. And he looks at me and goes, Oh, I can't help you. I got to go. I just got a ride. He leaves. So now I'm standing in the middle of one of the busiest intersections of New York with a beautiful new couch on the ground, people walking past me, just looking at me. There's a pub open because, of course, it's 10 a.m. There should be a pub open. The windows are open because it's summer and it's hot. And these two gentlemen are sitting kind of in the window. I look at them and I go, guys, your next three rounds are on me if you'll help me get this sofa up these stairs right now. I love, and they I love it. I love it. Good for you. You are just very creative. But that is if you if everyone ever says, what's it like living in New York? That is what it's like. Like you just figure it out and you kind of get really fearless and scrappy and, you know, you just bob and weave. You just bob and weave and figure it out. You figure it out. I mean, that's, that's the kind of city it is. And it's, it's really, it just, you gotta, gotta be on your feet all the time, all the Mm -hmm. time. So you come, you come to New York, you get your sofa, you're in your tiny apartment with your little doodle dog and you're getting adjusted to New York life. And how long were you here before we were went into quarantine? Five years. So okay. I've been here for five years right when we hit quarantine. was about my five-year anniversary. Okay. So you're still working for the same company out in California yeah. and you're living the dream. And looking- Corner office overlooking Times Square, global travel, luxury hotels, living the absolute dream. And then the the bottom fell out seemingly right. overnight. So yeah. what happened? What, what well, so your quarantine, you're working now, were you able to work from home? And where I did- yeah, I was able to work from home, um, but I worked in travel. And so uh, at this point I did not have my golden doodle anymore. So I was getting a puppy actually. Okay. And so the story is, and this is crazy, on a Wednesday, I was furloughed from my job. Mm-hmm. On a Thursday, I got my puppy. Um, and on Friday, I started two companies. I just, I, it was this bizarre week of just the universe just smashing together and magical things happening. Um, I put the deposit on the puppy back in November. It just happened that she was delivered the day after, um, after I lost my job. Well, you know, it seems like I've I have a friend who's in the in the puppy daycare business, and um, I'm also involved in the shelter in my area. And puppy adoptions are way up, and so many people either purchase dogs or adopted dogs. So that's that's a great thing. And you had your dog with you, so that's an awesome thing. So tell me about the businesses and how you found your purpose in this pandemic. Yeah, let's talk about that. And, you know, I know a lot of people listening, we're, we're going, you know, we're, we're talking quickly about everything that happened. But I think if anyone thinks back to March, I just want to take a moment and like let everyone honor that because right. none of us in the world and especially in the, in the United States, because that was when it, I think, really happened in our country. None of us went into March and came out of it the same person. And so anyone who's listening, whoever you went into March as, like love and honor that person, but also know that you'll never be that person again. I'm not. I don't think you are. I don't know of anyone who is. Interesting. Um, And I know we talked about this for a very long time when we originally spoke. 
And I think so many people did find their purpose or repurposed themselves or decided either in relationships, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. I need a dog. I need to change my job. I mean, I know so many people who said, you know what? Screw this job. I don't want it anymore. I want to move on. I want to do something else. And it gave them the time and the perspective to to ponder this idea of moving on. And I don't think that changing, what did you say earlier? I wrote it down because I really loved it. You can be at the top of your, your game and change the game. So your game changed. You were at the top of your game, but you you decided to change the game. Even though it was sort of thrown upon you, you didn't sit there and, and, and do the self-pity story, which maybe some people did, and that's okay. That's how everybody has to deal with stress and depression differently. And being in the fitness industry, I was very concerned about my clients and members not getting depressed. But you are absolutely right that everybody who went into March, my business was closed on March 16th. I opened on June 22nd. None of us are the same. And hopefully we've come out with a much better perspective on what we need, what we have, and 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 embracing those things. I think we did. And and so in that moment, very similar, um, similarly, it was mid-March, it was March 18th, 19th, 20th was these three mm-hmm. uh, critical days. And right. the one thing I kept saying to myself is, what if this was happening for me instead of happening to me? What if this was actually a gift, right? So um, that was the, that was the core tenant of everything. And when I was uh, furloughed from my job, it was, I mean, it was, had to be done. I worked in travel. I was in sales. There was nothing to sell, uh, totally understood, but I was given this gift of headspace, calendar space, time. And I think so many of us, like you said a minute ago, Jody, like we just sat and we sat quietly and man, nothing is louder than silence sometimes. And so many of us filled the space and the days and the minutes of our lives with trips to the gym. I was, I, and by the way, can't wait to get back to my gym. Um, but you know, you go to the gym and then you grab your coffee and then you get to work and then happy hour and, you know, meet with the girls and do this and do, and like, golly. And then suddenly there's this global record scratch. We all sat on our couches and we had to get really, really honest about how we wanted to spend the precious minutes of our lives. And what I just kept saying to myself is, what if this was happening for me and not to me? Then what? And and there's this sort of a, a really beautiful circular conversation you can have here. And I don't want to take credit for this. Amy Young, who's a coach I follow online, she said this, and I've really taken it to heart, but she said, then if this is true, what else is true? Because then you can draw a really beautiful path. So mm-hmm. as I sat here furloughed with a baby puppy in the middle of Manhattan, which was a very scary place to be during the beginning of the pandemic. We're now doing really well. But at the beginning, I live in a neighborhood with refrigerator trucks full of bodies. This was very real, um, very scary. So I would say, okay, what if this was happening for me and not to me? Well, then, if it's happening for me, it's a gift of headspace. Well, then, if it's happening for me, it's a gift of perspective. If it's happening for me, it's an opportunity to see where else I can be of use in the world, right? What do so you, I would journal my way through that. I want to talk about your journaling, talk about your businesses. But when 
so what do you say to the people who felt that it was being done to them? Because I think maybe everybody went there for a minute, a day, weeks. Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening? Because there are a lot of people out there who just feel like they're victims. And I think if we can switch that perspective of what you're saying is, why is this happening for me? What could you say to somebody who has the other, the flip side, why is this happening to me? And they're still, maybe they're still struggling now. Yeah, I hear you. And I've never come from a victim mentality headspace, but I've, I've worked with, uh, I do a little bit of coaching. I've worked with some people in that space and I get it, man, I get it. And, you know, there are a lot of people who will say, I just can't catch a break, right? They just feel like every hand I play, it's a losing hand. And if you are in that space of, no, this happened to me, I lost my job, I lost my family. I have five couple friends, so 10 humans, five couples that have split up during COVID. I mean, this is a decimated family, you know, my friends and families, people who've lost their livelihoods, businesses that shuttered, that I watched my friends, sorry, New York Sirens, uh, friends build. But um, I think it would be, here's what I'm going to say. It would be understandable to feel a bit victimy during this. This is crazy. There is no manual for how to navigate a pandemic. I mean, said from the beginning, what happens in COVID stays in COVID. Mm-hmm. And I want you to give yourself a lot of grace. But what I would also say is this, never have we all been more unified. Never have we all truly, I, that saying we're in it together is, is a little whitewashed at this point, but truly never have we all been in it together. Um, we are all on a cruise ship. It's not like half the ship goes down and half the ship mm-hmm. stays up. Mm-hmm. So we're united. You're not alone. And if you are feeling alone, please reach out. I promise you there are people who also feel alone that want to hear from you. Um, But if you think this is happening to you, it's happening to all of us. And it's all in our own headspace of how we choose to navigate it and who we are on the other side of this. Headspace is a really big thing. Um, I've been talking to a lot of people about that. And and being quarantined did give us a lot of headspace. And for me, what I worked on was getting ready for this radio show. I don't know how I could have done it if I was still working and running my business. I mean, I still was running my business, but digitally. And it did give me the headspace to really figure out what my message was on this show and on my podcast. And, you know, I got to spend a lot of time with my husband too. <laughs> so that was nice and uh, missed my daughters, uh, but it's you know, we FaceTimed more than ever. So I think a lot of people found that they wanted to see people and they realized, and I can't speak for everybody, but that family and good friends were so important to them. And again, we go back to that headspace to think and the perspective to to ponder these these thoughts. So We have 30 seconds left before break, so I'm going to cut away now. We will be back after the commercial break, and we are going to talk about your businesses. Okay, so thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
On Fearlessly Authentic, Jody talks about mental and physical well-being, and the key to both starts with proper nutrition. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan was created to help your body feel better. Whether your goal is to lose weight, gain muscle, or just feel lighter and more energetic, following this meal plan can help you get there. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a 21-day plan to help you learn the most important things about the food we eat and what foods are right for you based on your goals and activity level. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a real plan for real life. This is not a diet, but a change in lifestyle. The plan is simple and easy for you to follow. In the 21-day plan, you will receive meal ideas, snack ideas, a grocery list, and a 21-day journal crucial to your success with inspirational quotes to keep you motivated and keep track of your progress. The key to success is commitment, consistency, and willpower. Be fearless and trust the journey. Go to JodyFit.com to purchase the JodyFit meal plan now and use the promo code podcast to get 25% off. Ann Cupbillinane is known as Annie Gets It Done for a reason. She is the number one Manhattan broker at the number one estate firm, Douglas Elliman, and the founder of Wise and Wonderful Women. Check her out on Facebook and Instagram, as well as her website, AnnieGetsItDone.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments you may have. Send an email to info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. That's info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. Now, back to Fearlessly Authentic. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am with Amy Ogden, and we are talking about finding your purpose in a pandemic. And Amy, I wanted to get right into the three, I'm calling them businesses. You're calling them something a little bit different, but can you explain to the uh, listeners what exactly happened during quarantine exactly? Absolutely. And you know, for the listeners, I think the, the message here as we tell you about these is for you to think, oh, wait, I think I could do something like that. Um, they were businesses and brands, you know, these days I feel like a business and a brand and a social campaign all sort of, you know, it's like one big smoothie of what we're all doing in life. Right. Um, so yeah, again, just going back to that magical week in mid-March where I was, uh, got a, got a puppy on Wednesday, furloughed on Thursday, started a couple of companies on Friday. The first one is called fuel the front line. If you go to fuel, like F U E L the frontline.com. That idea came up on a very inspired morning walk when, you know, my brother lives in Florida and he's an essential frontline worker. He drives a sanitation truck. He also has a pre-existing lung condition, um, uh, ARDS, which is one of the things that takes the life of COVID patients. Mm-hmm. And he and I were talking one day and he's like, you know, Amy, I am exhausted. I'm working the longest days. I don't want to go to the grocery store because I'm worried that I could have COVID and I don't have time to cook or meal prep. I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. So I came up with this idea. On one side, I partnered with fresh meal delivery companies. And and I want to make sure I I partnered with a friend of mine, Erica Wasser, Mm -hmm. to create this brand. I did not do this alone. She's amazing. I called Erica. I was like, do you want to do this? She's like, let's party. So we got together and did this. Um, But it was a labor of love, created the website, started the social channels. 
And on one side, we partnered with fresh meal delivery brands like Snap Kitchen, Fuel Meals, Paletta, Provenance Meals. Um, and then frontline workers could come to our website and sign up to receive. It was that simple. Hmm. Uh, we also partnered yeah, with Happy was, Box and Sent Care Kit. Yeah. And what was cool about this was a lot of people were delivering food to the hospitals, um, but we delivered fresh meals to their front doors. So when they got home at night or in the morning, they could make a fresh meal. That was the issue is they didn't have food at home. My brother was eating like cold SpaghettiOs out of a can and passing out. So that was so exciting and rewarding. Um, And that was a great example of like anyone can just step up and do good. You know, we didn't have to do anything fancy. Um, yeah, I think people yeah. think it's so complicated, but if you just follow your heart. Yeah, it really is. And and look, Erica and her team were really good at setting up the back-end mechanics on the website for people to sign up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we reached out to brands, and brands were really excited to be a part of it. The second brand I started, which I'm continuing with, is called We Travel Forward. If you go to wetravelforward.com, you can check it out. Um, it's right now still very much in, in its infancy. I have big plans for that site. I also created that with a friend of mine, Wade Brightski. He's based out of the Chicago area, has a really great branding agency there called We Create Media Group. And Wade and I got together and I said, look, there's people sitting at home who, um, oh, I just want to say for Fuel the Frontline, the way that the money was created to send those meals to the frontline workers was people at home went online and donated. So okay. uh, that was super important. Okay. And then similarly with We Travel Forward, I was like, okay, there are people at home who want to travel. They want to take advantage of good travel deals, but use them later. And there are hotels that need revenue right now to be able to keep, you know, operations right. going. Right. Yeah. So we created We Travel Forward as a way for hotels to list great opportunities that people could purchase now and travel later. Within a few days, we had 200 hotels signed up on the site. We've had over 40,000 visitors to the site, tons of press coverage, um, really exciting. So we've got really big plans for that going forward. So that's still going on. Still going, yeah. And Fuel the Frontline is too. My friend Erica, who I started it with, she has a company called Prosper at Work, Mm -hmm. um, and it is a tech platform for frontline workers. So she's keeping Fuel the Frontline as her giving arm for her company so we can keep the magic going. Yeah. yeah, love that. And then the third campaign that I created during COVID um, was called Higher Hospitality. So, you know, working in travel, what I saw immediately um, was that so many amazingly talented hospitality workers were suddenly out of work. Mm-hmm. But you also had industries that were hiring fulfillment centers, grocery stores, delivery companies. So I came up with this idea. I searched Instagram. The hashtag hire hospitality had never been used, which was shocking to me. <laughs> so I reached out to the founders of Jit Jat Joe. They're based here in New York. They're a hospitality staffing platform and a human betterment platform. Cold LinkedIn email. I just said, I have an idea for you. Take it. So in this case, I literally was just giving them a free idea. I didn't want to be involved in it. I just wanted to give my friends, well, my strangers, now my friends, a free idea. So I sent them this LinkedIn email within minutes. I was on the phone with the CEO and a couple days later, I was the campaign manager for the project and it had a website and social channels and was all over the news. So I think what I want your listeners to hear is that even in a moment of panic and literal pandemic and the bottom falling out and a free fall, all of this happened. And, And what happened was 
I reached out to one really smart person who I knew could help me make this dream come true. Mm -hmm. Erica with Fuel the Frontline, Wade with We Travel Forward, Heath and Tim at Jit Jat Joe with Higher Hospitality. They were strangers. I just sent a LinkedIn email and look what happened. So you didn't didn't know all of these other people? I knew Erica and I knew Wade. Okay. But I did not know Heath and Tim at Jit Jat Joe. And, and the Jit Jat Joe one I like because I was just giving them a free idea. Right. So if you have an idea for a business, send it to them. Why not? What are you going to do with it? You know, you right. don't work at Rent the Runway. If you have a great idea for Rent the Runway, send it to my friend Gabby who heads up their PR. Let her see if she has an idea. Right. Like, you're not going to do it. Why not give the idea away? They might call you and say, help us execute this. Exactly. And one of the things you said when we talked earlier was nothing matters if you don't have the people in your life and you wouldn't have been able to execute those ideas, which are helping so many people and will continue to help people. And that goes along with what we were saying before the break, that it's the people in your life. It's the people, it's the people, it's the people. And I think more than ever now, when if we were all preoccupied with making money, driving a fancy car, all those fancy things that people think that they want, that they don't, again, they don't need them. And it's really the people that uh, make our lives richer and without those people that you either met or knew, you wouldn't have been able to to get, you wouldn't be able to talk about this stuff right now. And I think that's that's really, really inspiring and very cool, quite honestly. And it takes, you know, it takes 10 seconds of courage to reach out to a stranger and spark the seed of a potential friendship. And you never know where that can take you. Okay. So you just said something very interesting that you said very lightly. It takes 10 seconds or 10 10 seconds to reach out, to have the courage to reach out to a total stranger. Do you know how scary that is for most people? Most people don't have the courage to reach out to a stranger. They're afraid. And I used to be in sales for a short while. For three years, I sold eyeglasses. And I learned more about myself in those three years because I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a personal trainer or stay in training. And I I learned so much and I realized I love doing cold calls. I had no fear from a self-proclaimed scaredy cat. I had no fear because my attitude, and I'm sure yours was in calling a stranger, was I have everything to gain and nothing to lose, right? And I'm doing this for the betterment. If you take your ego out of the equation and you're doing it for the right reasons. And, you know, you and I haven't discussed this, but for me, money was never the driving force because when you're driven by money, I don't think that you're authentically fulfilled. And I think then you get stuck and, and it's always, is the grass greener is the grass greener. And so I wanted to talk about something else that you are working on, how um, I started with how catch how to catch a human in the wild. And that has something to do with talking to strangers. How do you do that? So please explain to the listeners what that is all about. Is that a business? Where are you doing this? Yeah. And tell me about about how to catch a human in the wild. You know, man, it's interesting. And it's so hard to talk. Sometimes these things are hard to talk about because of the world we're in right now, where we're quarantined, we're wearing masks. Things are different. So I am going to ask your listeners to 
Also remember that we won't always be quarantined and wearing masks. So sort of go with this as if we're in a world with a little more connection again. Everything I'm about to say also works in a masky, quarantine world. Okay. Um, but we have lost the courage muscle that we used to have. You know, you're in fitness, right, Jody? Right. And you know how it is. You work a muscle and it gets stronger and more natural. You ignore that muscle. It just, you know, it atrophies. It gets softer. It just sort of hangs, right? You don't use it. You lose it. You lose it, right? Yeah, use it or lose it. And before phones, before we could so easily just look down when we had a free moment waiting in line at the coffee shop, standing, you know, getting a coffee or I don't know, I always go to coffee, uh, you know, hanging at the bookstore, reading a magazine, whatever. We worked that muscle a lot. You know, even this morning, actually, I just was observing this. I was walking to the, there's a rec field near my place here in New York and I was going there to work out and I was walking past a coffee shop that has set up tables and seats outside for everyone during COVID. It's really cute seven people sitting alone, all just looking down at their phones with a coffee in their hand. And it was one of those moments that if I had taken a photograph of it, it, it like it was kind of disturbing. And I, you know, I wish there was a better way to say it, but our phones have given us a really good reason to not socialize. And so what's happened is we've become really scared of saying hi to strangers. Mm-hmm. And what I know for sure is the vast majority of the magic that happens in your life is going to happen because you say hi to a stranger. And it's that 10 seconds of courage, not even it's two seconds of courage, you know, that it takes to just spark an opportunity. And what I also know is people are hungry for connections. They've just forgotten how to do it. And it's become this big, scary monster when it's really not. I, I have yet to strike up a conversation with someone and have them slap me across the face or throw their coffee and, you know, on me or ask me to not talk to them. Right. Like you can say hi to someone. They will say hi back. Like this isn't that, this isn't that scary. There's this guy, he wrote a book. I wish I could remember the name of it, but it was like, he, he spent one year intentionally being told no. Cause he said, he goes, I just want to know what it's like to be embarrassed and turned down as much as possible. So I work that muscle and I get over it. So like he would go to a restaurant and order his meal. And then he would ask the server for a burger refill. <laughs> He'd be like, Oh, can I get a burger refill? Like ridiculous things. He'd ask strangers on the street for money. And he got told no a lot. But what he said at the end of the year is he goes, I'm shocked at how many times I got told yes. Or, yeah. well, I can't do that, but I'll do this. Yes. And so, um, so anyway, that's, that's sort of the ethos of how to catch a human in the wild is we have forgotten how to say hi to strangers. And because of that, I firmly believe we have lost so much magic in our lives. That butterfly effect, you know, of someone asks you to watch their coffee and then six months later, you guys are on a trip to Spain together, right? Like that's how the butterfly effect works. Right. So I used to give in-person talks. And of course now we're taking a beat from that. So I took one of my most popular talks, How to Catch a Human in the Wild, and I turned it into an online course. And it's available online. It's super fun. It's got videos. It's got written directions. And I literally give you the scripts. This isn't just like, you should talk to people. It'll make your life better. I'm like, go to this person and say this. Like, I get specific because I really like things that are tactical. It's it's a very courageous thing to do. And you, and, and a lot of people can't do it. They're literally paralyzed by it. I, my grandfather 
was a very outgoing person. And when I would be out with my grandmother and grandfather, and my grandfather was always saying hello to the people in the lines. And I'd be so embarrassed. and like, why do you have to talk to everybody? And then my mom was the same way. My mom is still alive. Um, she's still the same way. And she's probably the, the friendliest person in the nursing home. She had a, um, um, a stroke four years ago. She's 80% speech impaired and paralyzed on one side, but she's still like the mayor of the nursing home. And because she had no fear in talking to people. And when I was younger, I was... So I was pretty shy and I was, af- I was afraid of almost my own shadow. And so that's why I mentioned that the big step for me was getting divorced in my 40s. That's when my life really started changing when I found my voice. Sometimes it takes people a little bit longer. It's not like I'd never talked before, but then I got involved in, in other businesses and I found myself finding my voice and it does take practice. But if it's important to you, and especially now, especially now, I'm finding, and I, I'd be curious about what you think about this, I'm finding that people are more apt to respond, not like, whoa, why are you saying hi to me? Like, people are being kinder now. I think everybody feels that we we need to be kind. And I know there are all these hashtags, be kind. And like, I didn't even realize that when I was saying that until I remembered a Facebook post. But People are are desiring to be kinder to one another. And I think now more than ever, now more than ever, while we're all wearing masks, say hi, wave to people. And people are shocked because they're like, why is this person being nice to me? It's okay. It is okay. And and one of the things um, that you'll find is when I say talk to strangers, It's saying hi, but more importantly, think of it this way. I'm trying to give, I want to give your listeners a really good way to think of it. Instead of saying, I'm going to say hi to three people today, I want you to say this to yourself. I'm going to make three strangers days better today. So instead of saying, I'm going to say hi to people, go, I'm going to uplift three strangers today. Because Mm -hmm. what do you do when you uplift someone? You acknowledge them. Maybe you tell them their baby is cute. Maybe you say, I love your shoes. Maybe you ask if you can pet their dog. Maybe you, you, you hold their umbrella while they're struggling to get out a door with their hands full, right? That's all talking to strangers. So I think that sometimes what we do is we psych ourselves out because we tell ourselves, what am I going to do? Be like, hi, do you want to be my friend? Like that is not how to catch a human in the wild. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. You know, my course gives you the actual scripts because the scripts are actually really intelligently done in a way that you acknowledge the human being, you make their life 1% better than it was right before they knew you. And then you let the universe do the work. You let the world do what the world will do. Why did you feel this was important to teach others? If quarantine has taught us anything, it's how incredibly lonely people are. I live in a really yummy neighborhood in New York full of these tiny little restaurants. And now it's really beautiful. They're letting the restaurants put the tables out on the streets, like actually on the streets where cars would park. So it just, it feels very European. And um, right when they started doing that, I noticed how many people were dining alone. And you don't often see people go to restaurants and sit alone. And what that Mm -hmm. told me is they've been home alone for months. And And now they're like, well, they're craving that to relate to somebody. 
And I think yeah. that's why, you know, people were FaceTiming versus just talking on the phone because they craved that, that closeness to other people. Yeah. If you want more people in your life, newsflash, you have to meet more people. <laughs> and Point. if you are sitting back hoping that strangers will say hi to you, they're just as scared as you are. Um, we've all lost the muscle. But if you want your life to be richer and more expansive and more magical, that doesn't happen from watching a TV show or scrolling on Instagram. It happens from meeting new people that expand your world. And the way to do that is to tell someone that you really love their shoes and then let the conversation start or to ask someone how their day's been and then let the conversation start. Um, one of my favorite tips from my course that I've gotten, it's the, I will say it's the one piece of advice I've gotten the most feedback on is talk to people who are paid to be nice to you. So, you know, I I think a lot of us have this somebody. Yes, exactly. So if you're new to catching a human in the wild, but you want to start working the muscle, cool. Mm -hmm. Think of it like, you know, at the gym, there's that pull-up thing, but you can put that thing under your feet that gives you a little push. Yes. Think of it like that, right? I'm not asking you to do a pull-up. I'm letting you start with the push and lighten the weight over time. So the push is talk to people whose job it is to be nice to you, your Uber driver, your server, the barista, the you know person at the store helping you look for clothes. Strike up conversation. To me... I love that you're offering this as a course. I love, love, love this. I thoroughly enjoy talking to people. I must have gotten it from my grandfather and my mother. So after I got over my fear of being, because everybody, I think, fears being rejected. And I think that's what your course seems to offer is, I'm going to give you step by step. You're not going to say, will you be my friend, as you mentioned. And the other day, I was meeting a friend uh, at a restaurant. We were going out for somebody's birthday, and I knew that I was going to have an alcoholic beverage or two. And I just didn't feel like driving, so I called an Uber and you know had my mask on, so on and so forth. And just naturally, because I've been doing this for a long, long time, I said to her, "Oh my goodness, I love your eyelashes." And 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 it was the most lovely conversation. Did I change her life? Maybe for that moment I did. I didn't do it to make myself feel better, but I hope that I I I made her feel better. I'm not saying she she was in a bad way before she met me, but why not spread the sunshine, help somebody lift them up, like you said, just help lift somebody up. So if somebody wants to take this course, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, it's really easy. You go to amyogden.com and you click on online courses. You can go right to it from there. And I created a special promo code just for you, Jody. It's Jody20. That'll give you 20% off the course. It makes it less than $40. And I'm telling you, if someone walked up to you and said, for $40, I will blow your world open. You'd be like, here you go. Let's party. Um, it's an easy course. It's super digestible and fun. Like, it's just like how I talk. Like it's literally videos of me and me talking, but it's tactical. It's real. It's drilled down. I take all the fear of rejection out of it. I really give you the roadmap and give you like the one, two, three, four, five of how to catch a human in the wild. 
I met a guy at Starbucks. I moved to California with him. I met a stranger at a pub in London. Four months later, I was skiing with him and 10 of his friends in Austria. Like three of my best friends in New York are girls I met on rooftops because they asked me to take their picture or at a networking event because I told the girl I liked her skirt. Like, I'm not just telling you to do it. It's how I've built my life and my world. Right. You're, you're fearless. So that leads me to the next question as we're coming to the close of the show. Unfortunately, what does fearlessly authentic mean to you? To me, fearlessly authentic means caring less about impressing others and what others think and caring more about impressing yourself for once and what you think you know, blow your own damn mind. Like I, we spend so much time trying to impress others and foregoing how we feel about us. Like, what if you were the one you were trying to impress? What if you were the one you were trying to, to make proud? Yes. Yes. Impress yourself by being fearlessly authentic. And that's really what this show is about and having amazing, inspiring women like you who can, you know, educate and empower because that's what we're trying to do by educating somebody, empowering them so they can live their life fearlessly authentic is the goal because that's how we have a more fulfilled life. So if anybody wants to get in touch with you with any additional questions, where else could they go? Do they use the same information? Everything is on amyogden.com. You can find me there. Email me. It's I want to hear from you. Take my course. You know, let's be friends on I, randomly. I am big on LinkedIn. I think it's a dark horse. It's the place to be. If you're not on LinkedIn, get into the party. Um, so my LinkedIn is on there, but uh, you can reach me through my website. Everything is on there. I offer one-on-one coaching sessions. So if anyone wants to talk about individual coaching, if they're ready to find their purpose in the pandemic, let's party. I'm here for it. Thanks, Amy. Thank you so much. You have given everybody so much information, myself included, to go out there and live fearlessly authentic. Thank you so much. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye, Jody. Thank you for tuning in this week to Fearlessly Authentic. Please listen again next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and unlock the keys to a more powerful you.